You are listening to the Life Church podcast. To learn more about Life Church, our gathering times at any of our central Indiana locations, or our Life Crew online, visit us at lifechurchin.com or follow the link in the description. Today's talk is from Pastor Mike Melito. Today, chapter 12. And uh, we had a, a brief uh, hiatus from that uh, last week when we talked about Kingdom Builders and Project Rescue. So um, we are back in it today. I was just saying the other day how we've been in Samuel forever, but it's been great. Um, I don't know if there, you can hear it, but it sounds like there's a little ringing to me. I don't know. Maybe we can adjust that, especially if I get loud later and start screaming, you know, and hollering at everybody because you know how I get sometimes. Anyways, um, but it feels like we've been in chapters 11 and 12 even longer. And uh, maybe it's because it's so tragic. You know, sometimes those times in our lives that are difficult seem to take longer to get through. They seem to slow time down. Am I right? Um, I just remember years ago when I was, um, uh, I was doing a, a particular workout, and I remembered uh, there's a way to really slow time down. You know, sometimes we think time just goes really, really fast. If you want to slow time down, get down on the ground and do a plank and try to do it for one minute. One minute feels like an eternity when you're doing a plank, right? And it just kind of feels like we've been in this funk here with David for a little while, and we're going to wrap up chapter 12 today, and at least it kind of ends on a little bit of a high note. Uh, but just to recap, we, we spent the first 10 chapters, just all this victory, and these last two chapters were, were David's indiscretions. They were uh, big. They were a major mistake, having an affair with a woman, having her husband killed, and, and trying to cover it up, and then being confronted with that, and then being told, hey, you're not going to die for this, but there's going to be consequences. And it's been really difficult. You missed any of those, I uh, invite you to go back on the app or on the uh, website, lifechurchin.com, and go to the message tab and you can listen to some of those any campus would be great um, but we're, we're now we're turning that corner and we're going to get into some other things but just I want to really remind you of, of one thing David when he was confronted Nathan gives this um, illustration and in the illustration he talks about a man with lots of sheep and then a poor man with one sheep. And the man with lots of sheep takes the poor man's sheep, kills it, and gives it to his friend. And, and David's just mad. You know, whoever this person is, they must die. And, and Nathan says, you are that man. And I, I bring us back to that because I feel like that conversation, as I read this, is a shadow over what happens, what we're going to read now. I feel like if you ever felt like someone said something to you, or maybe you heard a sermon once and you felt like the Holy Spirit just went, that's you. And you just felt it right in the middle of your chest. And you knew it was right, but you didn't like how it felt. But that just, you, you felt it for a while. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So even as life went on and you, and, and you know, good things happened again for a while, you, it sat with you. Maybe you still are in a place where it sat with you. I just think that was a very pointed statement where he says, you're the man. Not in a good way either, like you're the man, right? No, you're, you're, you're the man. We want to stick it to the man. Um, and, and God was upset with him. God even said, I, I wanted to give you more than I've already given you. You were where you are because of me. And then you just kind of spit in my face with what you did. 
But David, and this is what makes him a man after God's own heart, David owned that. He said, you're right, I've sinned against God. And if you ever wondered what makes David a man after God's heart after what we just read, it was that response. Because our, our conditioned human response to being confronted is self-preservation, it's defense, it's to make excuses, right? We blame our environment, we blame our upbringing, we blame someone else, and it all goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Adam, why'd you eat the fruit? Well, this woman you gave me. <laughs> it goes all the way, it, you trace it all the way back through our roots. It's just our human nature, and yet David here, as soon as he's confronted, owns it. And that's how we can be a person after God's heart, not to make excuses. Own our sin. Yes, God, I'm a sinner. I have sinned. And get specific. This is sin in my life, God. Not so you can feel condemned. No, that's, that's the point where you meet God's grace. Condemnation is what lingers when you don't admit it. But this is what made David a man after God's heart. So, um, I want to jump, take that uh, and jump into chap chapter 12, verse 26, because we're just going to learn a little bit more about ourselves, right? Because David's story is our story here. David is also, by the way, I want to remind everyone, he's a type of Christ in the Old Testament. We learn about Jesus by looking at David. Now, David is still a human being. He's not Jesus. That's what we're coming to terms with here. He's like Jesus, and in as much as he is a king, and he is a king after God's heart, and we see a lot of parallels, which we're going to see today, but we're also going to see David's humanity side by side with that. And it's not either or, it's both and. We'll learn something from both. Verse 26. Joab fought against Rabbah of the Ammonites and captured the royal fortress. Then Joab sent messengers to David to say, I fought against Rabbah and have also captured the water supply. Now, again, um, I think Pastor Kathy illustrated this beautifully when she talked about mountain ranges. And as you, they, they look like they're right on top of each other, but as you get closer, you see space between. There is some time here between when Joab was out originally in battle and now. Just to, as a reminder, uh, a whole year had passed uh, before David was even confronted about Bathsheba, and that battle was going on, that war was going on that, during that time, and then he had kids with Bathsheba, and so oh, that war was going on the whole time. It had been years, and if we, you know, we're not careful, it's just one chapter into the next, or one verse into the next, and it's like, oh, you know, this all happened in the span of, you know, 72 hours. No, this is years this went on, and it's important to understand that, because as we put ourselves in different people's shoes in the Bible, what you should do if you want to learn something um, you have to understand these things aren't instant. They're in long seasons of life where they're dealing with those realities. And sometimes we, we miss that and we feel like, why am I dealing with this for so long? Well, it's, this is history. This is how it works. So it had been years uh, that they had all gone to war. And remember, this is the war that David was supposed to go to battle. And, and, you know, when it started in chapter 11, it said in the springtime when kings went to war, David stayed home. This is that war. So Joab's saying, okay, we've won, we're winning the war, we've taken their water supply, which is also interesting because that's how David took Jerusalem, and Joab would have known that. Perhaps he learned that from David. But he was fighting David's battle for him without David. And that's, and for years, for years long, verse 28, now therefore assemble the rest of the troops 
lay siege to the city and capture it. Otherwise, I will be the one to capture the city, and it will be named after me. <laughs> There's a lot of ways you can read that. I, and I'll just, this is my, this is me. Sometimes, you know, we read into the text our own personalities. I read it with an attitude. All right, David, I finished fighting your battle without you, by the way. You want to come here and finish it so you can get all the glory? If you don't, it's coming to me, right? I kind of read it with an attitude. It's not necessarily with an attitude. You can make that decision on your own. Ultimately, what we learn here from Joab Hopefully it's not with an attitude. As he understands the right order of things, and he's going to be honorable even if what he saw from David was not honorable, was dishonorable, right? He knew that the glory of, of a victory belonged ultimately to the king. He was fighting the king's battle, and he was giving honor to the king. Now, we find ourselves in situations all the time where we have leaders that are maybe doing dishonorable things or have done a dishonorable thing. And a lot of times, our, again, our conditioned human response is to say, all right, forget you then. I'm not going to honor you anymore. You're, you're not worth, worthy of honor. Now, we confuse honor and respect. Respect is something that you earn. You, you can honor somebody without having necessarily respect for them. I'm not trying to twist, twist up your mind a little bit, but you can honor someone without actually having respect for them. In fact, that's when it's really more about who you are than it is who they are. Respect is given, or respect is earned, honor is given. And we honor people not necessarily because of who they are, we honor people because of who we are. I want to be an honorable person. Well, an honorable person, regardless of what my leader does, is going to do the right thing. And the right thing is for me to honor. And, and I'm not going to let someone else's decisions affect my character. You say, but Pastor Mike, how do you, like, are, are you giving people license to be dishonorable when you honor them? No, not at all. God sorts that out. It's not our place to sort it out, Right? It's our place to do the right thing, to put ourselves in the right place. And Joab does that. Whether or not it was with an attitude, I, I don't know. We, we can't, it would be pure speculation at this point. What we can learn is that he does the right thing. And ultimately, it ends up being good for him. It's good for our heart to do the right thing, even if the person we're serving isn't doing the right thing. In so doing, that right thing that you're doing, the honor that you're showing, really kind of shields your heart from letting those things get inside. And, and, when, and it's important because when those things get inside, you know what they do to you? They sink you. It's an old law of physics, the law of displacement, right? It's, it's, not, that, you know, it's not that a ship is necessarily lighter than water. It's about how much it displaces the water. It, what that means is how much it keeps the water out. It keeps the water out. But once the water gets in, the ship sinks. And it's the same principle is true for our lives. If we, if we want to keep from sinking, when someone around us does something dishonorable, that doesn't decide who we're going to be and what we're going to do. We're not going to let that dishonor get in us. 
And you've got to think about that when you read this because all of, the, all, of all the armies, all the people serving the king, probably by this time a lot of people had heard some of what went on. Certainly Job really probably did the math already. And yet, he's going out of his way to send a message to David. David, if you don't get here soon, I'm going to get the recognition for it and I don't want that. You should get that. Right? And he does the right thing. And here we are talking about him today. Verse 29. So David assembled all the troops, went to Rabbah. He fought against it and captured it. He took the crown from the head of their king and it was placed on David's head. The crown weighed 75 pounds of gold and it had a precious stone in it. So this is really kind of like he's coming back into the old pattern. He's going into battle. He's fighting the battle, and he's winning, right? He, um, it, it kind of feels like old times. The same battle he neglected years ago because of Bathsheba, he's now back in there. And I want to come to this phrase. Maybe you've heard this, um, and you're going to laugh maybe if you think about what I just read. Heavy is the head that wears the crown, especially when it's 75 pounds, <laughs> Right? Those charged with major responsibility carry a heavy burden and it makes it difficult for them to relax. This could be taken figuratively or in this case, very literally. Now, I need a volunteer, but I'm gonna volunteer someone. Is that okay? I'm gonna just go ahead and tell the volunteer who they are, if that's all right. I'm gonna have Dave Liddy come on up here with me. <laughs> so, because <laughs> I know he'll be a good sport about it. Just wait for me right there. I brought some, some of my workout equipment here today. <laughs> and uh, just a few weight plates. Um, <laughs> and uh, I thought what we could do, Dave, is I could start putting these on your head. And... <laughs> kind of like a, a safety something. I mean... Well, what, I, what I'll give you permission to do is just put your hands... Up on the sides. Don't hold it though. Okay. Just, you know, kind of like, kind of like this, you know, put it on your head, feel the weight, let the weight rest there. This could be really disastrous, but just, you know, just enough to guide it. All right. So here you go. Here's 10 pounds. Great. Here's 10 pounds. This so. wasn't planned, people. <laughs> I did not call him ahead of time. So, um, so that's 10 pounds, Dave. How's that feel? I'm okay. You're okay. You feel like, can you walk around like all day like that? Um, like if you had it fastened to your head, not with your hands holding it. I, I, I could get good at it over a couple of years. A couple of years, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. You, you, you look like you're holding it. Just, yeah. don't, okay. You said I could hold it. But yeah, no, no, look, just like, you know, oh, keep okay. your hands look, open. Look, 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 all right. Look, just all right. Just yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to put oh, this five pounds. So we're going to we're just going to go up to 15 pounds here. Is that how's that feel? I'm starting to feel it. <laughs> starting to feel it. Yeah. Okay, let me get a little comfortable. All right. That's what How do you get comfortable with 15 pounds it's, on your head? It's not really comfortable. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so that that's 15 pounds. Why me, Pastor Mike? Um, pick me. I had someone promise they were going to give money to Project Rescue if I picked you. Oh. So. <laughs> you're, you're doing this for the Lord. So, uh, I'm joking. That didn't happen. But if anyone wants to do that, for the pleasure of having seen this. Um, 
you know, the faster you get through this lesson is the less time you have to put the weight in my head. See, you see how slow time goes yeah, when, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is like when you do the plank. All right, so um, we'll just, here, it's just another five pounds here. So we're up to 20 pounds. 20. 20 pounds. You good? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> you're uncomfortable? All right. So um, at this point, you're probably feeling it in your neck. Yeah, yeah. Hey. Yeah? He's gonna, he's gonna need a chiro any chiropractors here. A younger guy would have been better. I'm old, Mike. That's what I'm <laughs> <laughs> Oh, come on, Dave. You're not that old. All right. All right. We'll, we'll lower it down. This is just two and a half pounds, okay? Just two and a half pounds, not whole five. So 22 and a half pounds. How are we feeling? Okay, that feels about the same. Okay, well, here. Here's another two and a half pounds. That's 25. 25 pounds. Yeah, I'm feeling that. Yeah? Could you, like, could you just like... I wouldn't want to be king. No. Yeah, heavy is the head, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, we done here? I don't know. Are we done? <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, <laughs> you guys want to see that again in slow motion? No. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Dave. We're done here? Yeah. Okay. Now, that's 25 pounds. <laughs> Multiply that by three. 75 pounds. I was going to bring 75 pounds, but I thought I better not do that because, well, you could hurt somebody. And I don't know. He said he's old, so maybe I hurt him. I don't know. Um, by the way, there is a, an outing for people, seniors, you know, since you're old. <laughs> Just kidding. It's for everyone. All right. Uh, so... Of course, his head was heavy when they put this on. He said, I did, you mentioned Africa. I did, I did look this up because when I was in Haiti years ago, there were women walking around and they had uh, just giant piles of bags of water. That's how they would drink their water. They'd be in bags of water, just, I mean, just real high uh, bags of water and trying to figure out how much that weighed. And I've read this, that some of those women that do that, and it's always women that I see doing that, can carry loads of up to 70% of their own body weight on their heads. And they balance it too. They're not using their hands. Like that's crazy to me. But anyways, so this was in all reality a ceremonial crown, not one for everyday use. But it still serves a good illustration. And some think the, the crown actually belonged to a guy named Og, who was a giant, which would make the 75-pound crown make more sense. This guy had a bed that was like, I don't remember, it was huge. But it, it goes back to an idol of theirs. There's also a stone in the center of the crown that they actually think maybe was the Ammonite's idol, all the way going all the way back to Molech. And David didn't wear this to worship their idol. If anything, it would have been to diminish their idol, like to make the point, like your idol is nothing. Look at me. I'm your king now. And God's your king. And he takes the crown and he gets the crown and they get all the spoils. But if we, by the way, when we fight for our king, similar things, our king Jesus, sim we, similar things happen to us, but our spoils aren't crowns or things. Our spoils, quote unquote, to, so to speak, are people. We get to take people with us to heaven. We'll have, we'll, we'll receive a crown in heaven, but you know what we receive that for? You know what we do with it? 
We lay it down at the king's feet. Like they brought the crown to David. It's not about the crown. Our spoils are the people. The people that we bring, that's the reward. That's going to make heaven amazing. Can you believe we made it? Look at this person here, meet people. It's going to be awesome. And that's our spoils. And it goes on to talk about, in addition, it says, David took away a large quantity of plunder from the city. He removed the people who were in the city and put them to work with saws, iron picks, iron axes, and to labor at brick making. He did the same to all the Ammonite cities. Then he and his troops returned home to Jerusalem. There's something really missing from this, and, and I caught this late in my study here. It was later. So I'm going to flip around here a little bit. But just something I, I noticed, and it, it may just be an oversight from the writer, but there were two big differences in this victory. One, we already covered. He didn't go into battle like he was supposed to, but second, it's something missing here. We don't read anything about David giving glory to God for the victory. It's completely missing from this. And in almost every other case, it says, and David brought glory to God. David honored God with the victory. Now this is, I'm speculating here, but I think it's an educated speculation. But I sense that this victory may have rung a little hollow for David after everything that had just happened. Right? See, David knew he defeated his enemy, but he also knew that he was defeated by Bathsheba. He was carrying that with him. Yes, he was forgiven. God's being faithful to him to give him this victory in spite of that. But he's still carrying around what he did and what Nathan said, you're the man. And that was there. Why, why would that impact his worship? Well, I've seen this. People who at one time are bold in their worship and bold in their pursuit of God. And they, they screw up. Something happens, like David. They just royally mess it up. And it undermines their ability to worship. Sin takes the breath away from our worship. We may go from bold to timid. And some of that's just a good dose of humility, and that's not a bad thing, right? But even then, God is still worthy of all the worship and all the glory and all the credit that we can give him, right? We may find ourselves having a more difficult time before than before because, one, maybe some people knew what we've done and we don't want to look like a hypocrite. David certainly was probably thinking about that. Well, who am I to do this, right? Who am I to stand up here and raise my hands at church? You know, if people knew who I really was, it almost takes the authority of worship out of our lives. Like, I don't have a place to worship because of this person I am. Now, I'm going, I'm going deep with this thing about a verse that doesn't exist. <laughs> but it's a verse that doesn't exist, whereas in every other place it does exist. What's the difference here? I, I think that what David... When David came to realize who he really was, it impacted his worship. 
It did not. It did not impact God's faithfulness. So be encouraged, by the way, that even when we're unfaithful, God is faithful. But it also does not have to be the same way for us. For us, our shortcomings are really more reason to brag about Jesus. Paul says, I boast in my weaknesses. Why? Because he's proud of them? No, because he's proud of how God uses them in spite of them and how God's strength shines through his weakness. So you might be here today and maybe like David a little bit, your sin is taking the breath out of your worship. That's the enemy. Don't let, God still deserves your worship. And it's not about who you are. It's about how awesome he is. Right? And don't, you, you can't let your sin take away your voice when you talk about God's glory. And in fact, the one thing that's going to get you over your sin is to talk about how big God is. Because the more you understand how big God is, the more you understand how little that sin was to him that he took to the cross. Right? And this just kind of hit me when I was going back over the verse. And I thought, wait a minute. There's nothing here. They put a crown on David. A 75-pound crown. There's nothing here about David saying, no, 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 no. It's God's glory. And it's just, it's strange that that's absent to me. And I think there's something we can learn here about the fact that, that David, it, he was just became timid. It was his bondage, really. The victory may have rung hollow for David. The new reality that he realized the sword would never leave his house was something that he had to contend with. He may have won this battle, but he knew the most important battle of his life, he lost. Right? And he would have to live with that fact the rest of his life. It's important to remember God never wanted that for David. He didn't want David to be stuck fighting battles his whole life. But when David turned and he made those choices and he knew they were wrong, the world, as it does for all of us, put him in bondage. That's where we start in life, by the way. We start in bondage. How? Well, the Bible teaches us that we're born into sin. It's our nature to sin. (laughs) It drives me crazy sometimes when people say, children are so beautiful because they're just so innocent until the world teaches them how not to be. Nobody who has kids says that. (laughs) Nobody who's raised children says that. Why? Because our kids don't have to be taught to sin. We spend our entire lives trying to help them not sin while we're also trying not to sin. Right? No one had to teach my kids to lie to me. It just came naturally. Say, Pastor Mike, your kids lie to you? They're just like your kids. <laughs> okay? Sin, they've got sin nature. No one had to teach them how to do that. I heard this, um, I think it was this week actually, someone was talking to his uh, son when he was getting ready to take his girlfriend out. And, and they're sitting at the door of the car, and he says, Here's the rules for your night. Don't add to the population. (laughs) Don't subtract from the population. Stay out of the hospital, newspaper, jail. And if you end up in jail, establish dominance quickly. (laughs) 
We have to spend our whole lives teaching our kids, right? We're born into this. But our king through the cross gives us every way out of bondage. And by the way, he's coming again. And if there's anything you, you see here, David might not have been in the battle, but he was on his way. The king was coming to Rabbah. And I've seen this before. We've seen this before in the scriptures. And I'm just going to point it out now. If there were any, anybody in Rabbah or any Ammonites that would have went and yielded to the kingship of David before the battle, their lives would have been totally different than they ended up. Rahab, in, earlier in the Old Testament, helps God's spies. Her allegiance, she aligns her allegiance with the Lord and the God of Israel. And God saves her family and she becomes part of the line of Christ. So there's a precedent here that I'm getting at. When the king was on his way, they had the ability to make a choice to come to the king. But when he arrived, the time for choosing was over. The people that remained there, that were alive, it says, basically he put them into slavery. They had made their choice. The very same principle is true for us. Our king is coming. And I'm so happy for that, aren't you? There's an old song, maybe you remember, come now is the time to, to worship. And, and one part of the song is, one day every tongue will confess you are God. One day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. The time for choosing one day will be over. And when that time is over, our lives, in a totally different way than God ever intended, are still going to honor God's word and law. Just like their lives were still serving the king, just not in a way anybody wanted to be serving. And so in this passage, you know, we learn a lot about David. We learn a lot about his bondage. We learn a lot about ourselves and what sin does to us. But we also see a very clear illustration of the reality of time and history in our lives. Have you chosen now to live for the king? Because now is the time of choosing and it won't be here forever. Let's pray. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple. Come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.